It's Thursday at 10 a.m. and you're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM, talking all things sports with a special focus on our Auburn Tigers here on the Plains. If you want to be a part of today's action, feel free to tweet at us at Daniel J. Locke or the Griggs B. Let's get into the action. Good morning and welcome into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Alongside me is Griggs Blankenberg. And today for the first little bit, our good friend from Eagle Eye TV, Blake Phillips. We have a loaded show for you today, so we're just going to hop right into it. Blake, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. Happy to be here, Daniel. This is exciting. I just got the invitation about two minutes ago to hop in here, and I'm very excited to be in the booth. Very excited to have you, Griggs. How are you? Doing good, man. Got back late from Atlanta last night with the, watching the Hawks game, saw Jabari's debut. Did pretty well with that, but yeah, happy to be here. Happy to talk sports with our listeners out there for two hours. Yeah, that's very good. I'm looking forward to going to the Hawks game in two or in about a month to see him play the best team in the NBA. I'm not going to specify who that is, just in case that becomes a cold take, because you never know. You never but know. Sports. Sports. Auburn football. That's sports still. Uh, sort barely, barely. Um, you were there. I'll just recap for the listeners who didn't watch too much of it. Final score in that one: Auburn 34, number nine, Ole Miss 48. And I'm just going to stop you right there by saying Auburn could have won this game. Oh, yeah. I didn't watch much of it, but on paper, definitely looked like it. But in this game, there was combined 749 yards of rushing. 749 rushing yards in this game. And that's the most that Auburn's given up since, like, 1952. Ole Miss had three players rush more than 100 yards, including their quarterback. Who didn't even look that fast? They did have two rushers in the negative, though, so there's that. That's good. I guess. And I don't know. It, well, T.J. Finley was in the negative, too. Of course. I, I even know. Victories. When did he get even get in? Because I wasn't even watching this. He I had was, one drive in the first quarter that he fumbled. Uh, I was watching. I was doing the baseball stuff during this. But, yeah. Um, What do we even say at this point? Yikes. That, yes. Yikes. I saw a stat last week. In the last 16 trips to Oxford, Mississippi, Auburn's 13-3. and three, Well, now 13-4. and four. And uh, every season, the last three losses, they fired their coach. So I think Harson might be gone after this season. That's a that's a hot take right there. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Coming on here and just spouting the hottest of takes. Yeah, I think at this point it's a question of um, when, not if, because you know, despite what your opinion on Harson is to all of our listeners out there. Things just haven't been very peachy over the last two years. <laughs> just Not from just an on-the-field perspective, but there's tension in the program, and I feel like just the best thing is to just hit the reset button. It just hasn't worked out. Like, he started off really well. I mean, Graham, we were 6-2 and two last year after yeah, Ole Miss. Y- you're the first coach to be LSU in Happy Valley since Tuberville. You mean um, Death Valley? Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> yeah. All good. Early. It's still early. It is early, but... Yeah, I mean, he just doesn't really seem like – I was listening to a podcast today. Um, Andy Stable was talking on part of my take. He's like, Auburn people, when they're trying to do, like, the thing, try to get him out last year, they're like, why are you not even trying to go after the recruits that Nick Saban and Kirby Smart are going after? Mm-hmm. Like, you're not even making an effort. Yeah, and then when you do make an effort, you send out a postcard to recruits asking them if they're really hard. Like, come on, man. You just can't be doing stuff like that. Like, even the attempts to sell the programs are bad. Yeah, just not great. It's just not been, like, anything, like, of substance. I mean, we've played, like, what? I I can really point to, like, one good game I can remember in this Harson era. I believe that was the Arkansas game. The, that was a non, like, non, like, non-con, like, blowout. 
the one that we almost lost because Bo Nix technically fumbled. That, and I'm talking about like the other games. Like mm-hmm. last year was like um, not Mercer it was like Akron, and then. Alabama State. I remember after the Akron game thinking Bo Nix was elite since he went like 18 for 20 with 300 <laughs> yards and a couple <laughs> touchdowns. And I was like, yeah, who cares if this is one of the worst teams in FBS? Yeah, I just – it's not the thing. Like, I think he's a good guy. It's just the fact that this has not really the, been the fit that everyone – not really everyone that no. former athletic director thought it would be. Yeah, I, I think he's a great guy. Great coach. Just this is – he's in over his head. He really, yeah, he really is at this point. And the thing is, going back to what I said, you can't even sell the program. Like, you've got to find a way in this area of the country when you're competing with the likes of Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, and Dabo mm-hmm. Sweeney, you've got to find a way to sell your program. Mm-hmm. And so sending out postcards with messages on them that are kind of funny, it's just not the way to do it, you know? Um, so it's just... Yeah, it's just... I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw that. We I was got, like, really? Like, we that's get a, the best you can do? We get a break this week, so. Thank God. Yes. Much needed break. Much needed break. Uh, we'll talk more about that Arkansas game next week, but, yeah, not not looking too good. Mm, they have to win this game if they want to make a bowl game. They have to. It has been a great advertisement for basketball, though. Because oh, my goodness. I can think oh. of, I, I can count on two hands, plus if I had extra fingers, those two, the amount of people that, and the last, just the last week or, that have told me they can't wait for basketball season. I'm oh. one of them. I get told that at least like twice a day. Mm-hmm. From I people. can't wait. Can't wait either. Let's move on to uh, the other college football slate. So let's just recap a little bit of what happened last week. Um, Vanderbilt got blanked by Georgia. No surprise there. Um, We'll go back to the main game at the end of this, uh, the, near the end. Uh, Clemson outlasts Florida State. That got a little close near there at the end, Daniel. Yeah, it did. Um, that was a very exciting game. I was kind of paying attention to it throughout the day. I was pretty busy with um, Auburn, obviously, so I didn't have a ton of time. But I was keeping up with it, and I thought, like, dang, what if Florida State really pulled this off? That would be huge for their program. That would be huge. I mean, they started off 4-0. Now they lost, I think, three straight. They lost a wake. Ooh. NC State and Clemson. So yeah, and um, when they beat LSU in the first week of the season, I was like, okay, maybe this team's real. Because LSU, even though they're not the best, that's still a very talented roster. And even though they won on a crazy last, yeah, that game was wild at the end of it. Um, it was Michigan bl- destroys Penn State forty-one seventeen while their quarterback doesn't even throw a touchdown. Michigan's running back, um, uh, Devon Edwards had. I think 173 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, it's just not very good. Um, I just – I don't really trust them going forward. I really don't. And they've got a tough schedule coming up. Yeah, so. and now they think – they play Minnesota this weekend, which is the wideout, and then they play at home against Ohio State. So they have to win this Minnesota game convincingly. I just don't – I know it's big noon kickoff, but – and they, they want that night atmosphere, but I don't know why they didn't make Ohio State the wideout because you're going to need it then. I think they knew Fox was going to want to take that one, and so they had like they had to be sure because they knew the SEC opponent was not going to get on Fox, so they just had to run with that one really. But yeah, they may as well have whited out Auburn. It felt like it. Yeah, um, USC loses to Utah on a last-second uh, game-winning two-point conversion. The Utes take down the Trojans forty-three to forty-two, handing Lincoln Riley his first loss at USC with Utah's quarterback throwing 415 yards, two touchdowns, and they're tied in. Utah's tied in, mind you, 234 yards and a touchdown. That is unheard of. The Utes are an elite program. I mean, they are. This has been like the 
since ever since well before Lincoln Riley came in, this has been the most consistent Pac-12 program in the past four or five years. And now I'm not wrong because Oregon's had some down years. They had some good the last year, two years with um, um, Cristobal before he jumped ship to Miami. But yeah, I mean Utah's been that program in Pac-12. Yeah, uh, they really have. They've been playing good football. Like last year, they represented the Big Twelve in the Rose Bowl after um, beating Oregon in the conference championship. So they smoked them too. They did. It wasn't even close. So I'm really interested to see if they can make that next step forward. Like right now, you're at the top of your, getting close to the top of your conference. I'm interested to see if they can, you know, keep building on that and get to the top of the college football world. Mm-hmm. Other ones, we'll just do the rank be rank matchups. Uh, Oklahoma State loses to TCU in uh, two overtimes. TCU wins 43-40, which sets up a big matchup this week for TCU versus Kansas State. Yeah, and I love Oklahoma State, so I kind of hated this, but <laughs> still early. Ooh, very tired. Man. Um, yeah, very tired. But it was a good game, and the Horned Frogs look good. They do. They do indeed. Um... Syracuse beats NC State twenty four to nine, moving to the Qs to six and zero, best start in program history. I should have trusted mm. you, and you were saying to pick NC State. I mean, uh, not pick NC State. Uh, yes, I I'm not saying I told people so, but I told people so when I said NC State's the most overrated team in college football. Granted, their starting quarterback was out for the year now before this game, so do with that as you will, but still, I did say NC State was overrated, and yeah, now is not looking bright. Even though they do play, still play teams like UNC and stuff, so they'll do fine. And then finally, our last rank v. rank matchup was Mississippi State loses to Kentucky 27-17. That was funny. When the air raid doesn't work, it doesn't work, and it's not good. No, hopefully it doesn't work against Auburn did last year. We didn't think it worked for a little while, but then it ended up turning out to work. Yeah, because Derek Mason's not good at his job. I mean, yeah, they just lost to TCU, but they, yeah, they Oklahoma State's given up a lot of, well, it's the it's the Big 12. They give up a lot of points. That's like their main thing that we can pick up. Um, other ones, uh, Kansas now loses five, they're now five and two. Oklahoma uh, won 52 to 42. That's so sad. What if they don't get the bowl eligibility? I don't know. That'd be so. If they get to five and five and five and zero, oh, and then don't get the bowl eligibility, that'd be so sad. Who else do they play? They have to win at least one more game. Um, Hopefully, they have like some borderline D two school. No, no, they don't have it's anything. In, it's in the rough part now. It's at Baylor, home versus Oklahoma State, at Texas Tech, home versus Texas, and then on the road at Kansas State. Oh, they could very well not win another game. Yeah. Oh boy. Well, it was fun while it lasted, wasn't it? That'd be the most Kansas thing to have happen. Not make a bowl after a five and zero start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's that's wow. Uh, Illinois when beats Minnesota. Illinois is now right now. If the season ended today, Illinois would be in Indiana or Indianapolis to take on the winner of the East, whether it be the Wolverines or the Buckeyes or perhaps the Nittany Lions. So that's crazy because that West is so random. It's them and the Coastal ACC Coastal that is just the most interesting divisions in college football. I think. Yeah, I agree. Because well, when Wisconsin or Iowa's not good, it's who's who, anyone's game. Anything else we have on Auburn or last week's slate before we get a break? Um, Alabama. Oh, oh my goodness, I forgot about that one. Thank you for reminding me again, Daniel. Um, Alabama 
falls to the Tennessee Volunteers in Knoxville last week. Final score in that one, Tennessee 52, Alabama 49. Tennessee wins on a game-winning, I believe, 49, 48-yard field goal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about on the show, we just, we were, me and you both said some things just don't really change, and that includes Tennessee losing to Alabama. So even on a year where they were the best they've been in a long time, we didn't think they were going to win, but they ended up proving us wrong. And I'm not complaining. Are you complaining? Uh, no, not at all. There's a real chance that four SEC teams could make the playoffs. I've seen that, but it would have to take so it much. Would, but there's a chance. Work. There is a chance. That is correct. It would involve, yes, um, Tennessee, I think, beating Georgia. Mm-hmm. And then Tennessee beating Georgia and making it to the SEC championship game. Georgia not losing another game. I think Bama beats Ole Miss, and Ole Miss wins out. Mm-hmm. And then Bama beats Tennessee in the SEC championship right. game. That is the only way I think that could work. I do I have seen that, which is crazy to think about that. But two runner-ups in their uh, divisions making the playoff would be insane. That would. I mean, even three SEC teams in the, the playoff would still be impressive. And I, I do think for that to happen, uh, Clemson or uh, one of the Big Ten teams has to slip up. And Ohio State's the only team that's in the top five, really, that hasn't been tested yet. Mm-hmm. That- it would have to be a monumental collapse by Ohio State and, like, I don't know, someone from the ACC as a- well. Uh, Clemson. Yeah, yeah. So it's a possibility. I could definitely see three. Four is mm-hmm. – would be wild, and that would cause them to move the playoff to 12 next right. year. Immediately. Immediately. <laughs> That'd be really funny, though. That would be, but think that Ole Miss would be – that's just – I don't know, that's just crazy to think about Toddy, right now. Toddy. I mean, mm-hmm. Ole Miss let a team like Auburn hang around um, that – I mean, Bama's not put anyone away yet on the road yet. That's true. Or even at home, really, because the A&M game. Yeah. I think uh, last year I said I think this is the worst Alabama team in ten years. I think this one might be a little worse. And they're still really they've only lost one. They, the and they've only lost one game. It's like Clemson fans last year were saying this is the worst year. This is this is a terrible year for us. And they lose like three games. They still go ten and three. If only be thankful for what you got. They don't know what it's like to feel pain. Yeah, but that is going to do it for our college football talk. When we come back. We have some more talk about this week's slate. It's been another pretty good week in college football, but don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Daniel Locke. Alongside me, as always, Greg Splankenberg. And for today, for right now, the one and only Blake Phillips. In the last segment, uh, we recapped Auburn's game against Ole Miss as well as the rest of Week 7 in college football. Now, we're going to talk about Week 8 in college football, and it started last night with a very electric game between the Appalachian State Mountaineers and the Georgia State Panthers up in Boone, North Carolina, when the Mountaineers put away the Panthers 42-17. to We're getting to that time of the year where the fun belt and action starts to happen, where they'll have yes. the Wednesday night, Thursday games. We have two games tonight and, and then two on Friday. I'll let you intro the, the one going on in Atlanta, but i got to talk about what's going on in Mobile, Alabama tonight. I mean, I don't know what's really going um, The Probably the battle for the worst in the Coastal on Thursday night. What that, does happen in Mobile? Detroit Trojans are traveling down to take on the South Alabama Jaguars in the second-best collegiate rivalry in the state of Alabama. Hmm. I mean, this true. is going to be electric. I can't wait for this game. Electric. But 6.30 on ESPNU, South Alabama has a 58.4% chance of winning. They are a minus-three favorite. The Jaguars are 5-1. 2-0 in the Sun Belt. Yeah, Sun Belt. 
That'd be embarrassing if I got the wrong conference. But this is the first time in like eight years that South Alabama has a good chance of beating Troy. And I'm looking at this um, Virginia Georgia Tech game. It is so bad. This is, this is the battle for the when you're the battling for the worst two spots on the coast. So that means you're part of the worst two in all of college. Sorry to our friend Harrison Tarr, who's a Georgia Tech fan a little bit, but he he would he would agree with me when I'm saying that because it is it is not pretty. And then tomorrow night, the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes take on the Temple Owls. Owls up at Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia. At, at the Link, man. Bro, the Link is that. That's a good place to take in a college football game. I'll tell you what. Uh, there's only four. There's only. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather watch Army Navy than this one. Well, but, of course. Yeah, of course. Who wouldn't want to watch Army True. Navy? Um, but yeah, Temple only the, the only the team that's only given the only losses the Link has this year are from the Temple Owls. Yeah. So. And then a little bit of a preview for Auburn's game later on in the year. UAB taking on Western Kentucky, 7 p.m. That's in Bowling Green. Yeah, the second-best football team in the state of Alabama will take on Western Kentucky. So we'll see what they can do versus what the third-best team can do against a lot them of, in a few weeks. A lot of Alabama stuff. Yes. Now we turn to the top 25 on Saturday. Hold on, hold on. Well, we got one more. On the Big Ten Network at 11 a.m., the Indiana Hoosiers travel on the Piscataway, New Jersey, to take on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. And this one's going to be a barn burner. I just love both these programs, and I'm, I'm going to wake up early for this one. Some of us make choices. I'm kidding. But, I mean, that that is a game. It is a, it is a football game that is happening. So. It's going to be a good one. Uh, now moving on to the ranked matchups, Iowa taking on Ohio State, 11 a.m. on Fox. Ohio State's a 30-point favorite in that one. Um yeah, Ohio State's going to destroy this team because they cannot, because uh, Iowa cannot score on offense. Yeah, probably not. I, that is one of the worst offensive teams I've seen all year. The most they've scored in a game was they scored twenty-seven twice, once against Nevada and once at Rutgers. They scored seven points for South Dakota State and on two safeties and a field goal, mind you. Yeah. And then they lost to Iowa State ten to seven. And they lost to Illinois last week nine to six. Oof. Or two weeks ago, nine to six. They had a bye last week, so not great. Those are real barn burners. You're talking about the the Indiana game being a barn burner now. That is that is peak Big Ten Those right there. Those are peak. Um, Eleven a.m. on the SEC Network. UT Martin taking on the Volunteers. Um, not even a line for this one since they're an FCS team. Um, per Alex Houston from eighteen nineteen News, the South Alabama Jaguars sold out um, Hancock Whitney Stadium for for tonight's game against Troy, and that is the first time the Jaguars have sold out a game at that stadium. What a time to be a South Alabama Jaguar. I'm sorry, Greg. Go no, no, it's fine. Thank you, Alex, for listening. Um, but yeah, Tennessee. This is if they went straight into uh, Kentucky next week. I think this, uh, after beating Bama, I think that'd be a letdown game a little bit. But they're getting have a get right game with UT Martin, so fix up some stuff before that. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, you got the Syracuse Orange taking on the Clemson Tigers, 11 a.m. on ABC. This is big. This, this definitely dominates the early window. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clemson's a 13.5-point favorite. But Syracuse, can the magic still work as they travel to the fake Death Valley? We'll see. We'll see. Um, moving on a little bit. Uh, Cincinnati, SMU. I think Cincinnati will win that. I do, too. Uh, 2.30 p.m. CBS, number seven, Ole Miss taking on the LSU Tigers. This is in Baton Rouge. LSU is a two-point favorite over the number seven team in the country. That's a little, that's a little shocking to me because LSU, the, when they played 
these non-night games at home so far have not looked good. Yeah, that is – I don't know how Auburn took so long to beat LSU in Baton Rouge when at least half those games were day games because they're just not scary at 2.30 in the afternoon. No, not at all. Anything with that on that one, Blake? Well, 2.30 in the afternoon, that's after you've had your lunch and you're getting a big groggy. I think you're onto something there, Daniel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, 2.30 also, rank v. rank matchup on Fox. Number The number nine UCLA Bruins are taking on the number 10 Oregon Ducks in Eugene, Oregon. Line right now is six points in favor of the Ducks. Um, for a team that started off the year at 11, lost so bad in week one that they got knocked out of the top 25 to now being back to number 10, Oregon's definitely had a recovery story. Yeah, and um, I still think that, like, obviously that Georgia game exists, but I don't think that doesn't mean Oregon's good. I think that just means Georgia's that much better than everyone else. And it just lines up that Oregon-Utah this year could potentially decide this Pac-12 because the Utah goes to Eugene this year. So Yeah, and um, I'm happy for our good friend Bo Nix, who mm-hmm. I connected with LinkedIn um, with yesterday. He accepted it? Yeah. That's pretty nice. Wow. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Were you too tight? Uh, no. I only saw him on campus once. So yeah, I did know that too. Way. He looked like he was in a bad mood. Um, but UCLA, what a story that is. Chip Kelly, on the hot seat coming into this year, can barely sell 10,000 people to get into the Rose Bowl, and they're 6-0. and I mean, whatever he's doing is working because they're winning football games. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 20, Texas at number 11, Oklahoma State. This is one of our pick'em games later. So... I don't know who – this is an interesting one. Prime letdown spot. Or Oklahoma State coming off a loss. I think this would be a great opportunity to take this one. Texas, for some reason, is a six-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. I I yeah, don't really I don't understand it. that. I, if it was in Austin, I, I'd be on board with that. But the fact it's in Stillwater, I'm just – no. A Stillwater and they're six-and-a-half-point favorite? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like something's up to make it that way. But I've not heard. Um, Maybe Spencer Sanders is hurt. I don't know. Yeah, I, I've not seen too much on that. Um, 6 p.m. ESPN, 24 Mississippi State taking on number six Alabama. Line right now is a 21 uh, in points in favor of Alabama. Do you remember the last time Alabama lost two games in a row with Nick Saban? I don't even know if that's happened. Um, I mean, do postseason games count? I think so. We can look okay. sure. The kick six and then losing to Oklahoma and the Sugar Bowl. Okay, so that's That'd what be my guess. That's been nine years. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, so word. nine years since that's happened. So I do not see Alabama losing this one. I don't envy Mississippi State because that is going to be the most conditioned team that Alabama squad coming into Saturday after Nick Saban makes them run lap after, after lap the most after lap. penalties they've ever had. I think it was in either Alabama history or since Nick Saban's gotten there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're yeah. Thoughts and prayers to Mississippi State on that Indeed. one. Um, we got the whiteout game, 6.30 p.m. on ABC. Minnesota taking on the number 16, Nittany Lions. Lions set at f- minus four. Minus four for a whiteout game playing an unranked Big Ten opponent. just seems sad for Penn State. Yeah, and it's kind of shown where they're at as a program right now. I honestly think Minnesota will, will win this one. Honestly, I just – I could see it. I mean, they only beat Northwestern by 10 at home. Granted, it's the whiteout game, but – it's not like Ohio State, Michigan, or Auburn last year. It's you. You're having to get up and go watch them play Minnesota as the whiteout game. Yeah. Um. <laughs> at least it's a night game. At least it's a night game. They always make sure of that. 
And then finally, our last ranked matchup of the day is at 7 p.m. on FS1. Number 17, Kansas State taking on number 8, TCU. Line right now is minus 3.5 in favor of the Horn Frogs. I feel like if TCU can win this game, depending on what everyone else in the top five does, I really think there's a world when they jump up in there. We're talking about college football playoff scenarios. Is there any way TCU could make it in with all the chaos? Yeah, because... A big reason they didn't in 2014 when they were, I think, undefeated or just a one-loss team like the first year of the playoff was because there wasn't a Big Ten or, excuse me, Big 12 conference championship mm-hmm. game. Now there is. So I feel like if they can get in there and win that, they will get their recompense for that eight years later. And this is their last this – is, this is the big match of the Big 12. It's the l- battle of the last two undefeated teams in conference play. Both have not lost yet in the conference. So TCU would do a lot – to help their resume going in, because in the Big Twelve, there's no divisions. It's you got to win, you have to have the two highest winning percentages to get in the conference championship. And right now, that's if TCU wins this one, they'd have a game in hand over everyone else. Yeah, and I can't wait, and I'm really excited for this one. This is gonna be a good one. And it's most a- most importantly, is a battle between the two highest ranking teams with purple in their logo. Mm. I didn't even think about that. And then mm-hmm. this is why you bring Blake on. He's mm-hmm. got the good exactly. Commentary. And then let's go to the SEC real quick. One I'm interested on you guys' opinions. A uh, 6:30 p.m. SEC Network. The Texas A&M Aggies going into Williams Bryce Stadium in Columbia, South Carolina, to take on the Gamecocks. Line is minus three in favor of the Gamecocks. This is a this is a South Carolina team. It's just so interesting to me, and the fact that they can lose um they can lose to Arkansas by what they did on the road, but then they go to Kentucky and win. Yeah, and. Just the thing is, adding on to that, Texas A&M is probably the most expensive mm-hmm. unranked roster ever. Mm-hmm. Um, all the money that they spent and all the talking that they were doing all offseason and not even be ranked, but you still give Alabama a game. So just two teams here that you just don't know what you're going to get. As much hype as A&M got over the offseason, they had better be beating South Carolina. That's, I mean, I, that's all I'm saying. I, th- I think South Carolina's going to win this one. Well, they and, might, but a and really, should be beating them. And a night game in Williams-Brice, I mean, versus a game that South Carolina wants. I mean, Shane Beamer has that program. I mean, they're 4-2, and two and Shane Beamer's got them thinking we're still going to the Sugar Bowl. So, I mean, that's what the vibe I get from the South Carolina fans I know. This has been the most hype they've been in a long, long time. They're 4-2 and two right now and the chance to go to a bowl game. They, barely, they got a bowl game last year thanks to us and Mike Bobo's play calling. So... This program's only going up. Weren't you at that game? Uh, yeah, that was. Oh, I'm sorry. That was not good. No, I the the vibe after that game and the vibe after the Penn State game was much worse for South Carolina, just because of the fact that I'm like, I have to go home and deal with all my friends who go to South Carolina, and I'm wearing all this Auburn stuff outside, and I'm hearing them saying we're gonna beat Clemson. This is finally the year, and then they get waxed at home. Like I'm, they got shut out, but then they beat Carolina in the Mayo Bowl, which good for was. Them. That was funny. That's a big win. Oh, yes. Got, the Duke's Mayo Bowl is electric. Every single – I liked it better when it was the Belk Bowl. That was fun. Yeah, I like Belk a lot better than I like mayonnaise. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah. But that is going to do it for our college football talk. When we come back, we're talking a little bit of America's pastime. We're talking baseball and the championship series. So, don't go anywhere. This is the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagle's Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Daniel Locke. Alongside me, as always, is Greg Blankenberg, and joining us today for right now, Blake Phillips. So far today, we have done a lot. We've talked about Auburn's game against Ole Miss. 
as well as both week six and seven in college football, but or seven and eight, pardon me. But now it is time for my personal favorite, America's pastime, baseball, and that can only mean one thing. Oh, no. As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run. You just love that sound, don't you? Oh, I do. It's so funny. Did you hear what that girl said of the hot take yesterday when we were on Compact Discourse 100th episode, which if you want to, you can check out that out on Spotify. Did you hear what she said? No, what she said? She said baseball's the easiest sport. Oh, heck no. Yeah, and then me and Alex like kind of got her to change her answer. We're like, do you mean like least like physically requiring? And she's like, we kind of got her to change that. But yeah, I knew if you were in studio and you heard that, you would have been shaking with rage yeah if you yes. hear that you should throw a 90 mile an hour fastball at yeah. her i mean just to, so she can realize how difficult that is to get out i of the wish way there was a hit. place you could go or like a retired professional baseball player maybe not mlb level but just a guy who like you know was a double a player we like, all right just come stand in this box don't even mm-hmm. worry about swinging and i'm just gonna throw this in there and you tell me if you think you can hit that don't don't move yep um, well, yes, baseball, let's start off. We're now in the championship series. It is the Yankees versus the Astros in the AL. and the NL, it is the Padres versus the Phillies. So, so far, both series, once the NLCS last night, that game was 8-5 to five in favor of the uh, Padres over the Phillies. That series is now tied 1-1, to one, and we're all happy about this one on the Eagles' nest. The Astros won, I don't even, it's interesting, this one is just, I know you're Red Sox fan, so you're cheering for the uh, the Astros. I'm not cheering for the American League. Yeah, but no, that's my that's my opinion too. Like yeah. I'm whoever comes out of the NL, yeah. I would cheer for. Like even though the Braves are my NL team, it's, like I would, I'm root, I'm really rooting for San Diego, mm-hmm. but I would root for the Phillies over yeah. the Yankees or the Astros. Yes, oh, I yeah. would. I uh, yes, I'm root, definitely rooting for the Padres right now. But Phillies because they have Kyle Schwarber. But yes, the Yankees lose to the Astros. Schwarber went to last, Indiana. He did. That is correct. Astros beat the Yankees four to two last night. Thank God. Oh, wait, I, I just said I don't care. Boo. Mm-hmm. Verlander had 11 strikeouts last night and a 1.50 ERA. And you know what they should do? What should they, they do? They should play all these games at Fenway Park. Hmm. Kind of like how it was in 20, what, 2020 when they had every yeah. game at Ar- in Arlington? Just have the bubble at Fenway Park. You would want that many Yankees fans in Fenway contaminating oh, no, no. the place? No, we just buy all the tickets mm. so they couldn't go. Hmm. That'd be an interesting one. No. Oh man, that'd be bad. <laughs> but I don't. This this NL series is so like interesting because it keeps. I feel like it can flip either way. Like I, I think it, I think it could go seven games, or I think one of these teams could win in five. Yeah, I'll be um at the Auburn volleyball game tomorrow night. But as soon as I get home, you better believe I'm gonna throw this one on. I mean, we'll both be at the uh, Auburn soccer complex tonight. Watch so cold, and the Saints and Bruins are gonna be on. But it's okay. We love Auburn. The sports. Bruins are gonna be on. <laughs> yeah. The that Thursday night football has just gone downhill since week one. I don't even have prime, and I have no. I thought like I was going to start a free trial just for this week so I could watch the Saints game, but no, it's just not worth that. I'm effort. pretty sure they broadcast them on Twitch because Amazon owns. I think the streaming I th- service. I th- that'd be cool. So. And then another thing that'd be cool is like if just independent broadcasters could cast them, just kind of you know give people a chance to listen to it. That'd be really a cool thing for the NFL to do. They never would, but. Yeah, man, Saints, this might be the best Thursday night game in three, four weeks, so it could always be that. <laughs> it's not saying much. Oh, I, I know that's man. not saying much, but it's something. Al Michaels calls Thursday night games, right? Correct. I think so. I feel so bad for him. It's it. You can hear him losing all hope for football whenever he's on the call for a Thursday night game. 
But back to baseball, tonight's starters for the Yankees is Luis Severino, and the starter for the Astros is Framber Valdez. If I had to rank my 10 least favorite starting pitchers, well, Valdez would definitely be in there. Severino is the one guy in the Yankees I like just because he was nice to me um, <laughs> on Twitter one time. So, yeah. We had a conversation. What, what were we talking about with him on Twitter? Uh, I posted some Red Sox thing, and I added him at it, and he said, y'all's fans are legit. And I was like, oh, that was sweet. Hmm. That's that a kind. I'm hearing a lot about you today. You've had... This happened, and then uh, you had um, what were we bringing up in the la- last couple segments? You said something that I was shocked by. You said, "Why am I blanking on it now?" I don't know what you're referring to. I don't know. It was something to do with Twitter again. I don't know. Daniel's just got more Twitter falls than all of us, so yes. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's what happens when you post some good SUNY mm-hmm. League content. That stuff blows up. Yeah, <laughs> Jake Gonzalez can attest to that. Mm. Um, but what are we thinking from tonight's matchup? This is an interesting pitching matchup in that regard. Because ah. Severino has struggled this year. He has, and Valdez is red hot. So, I don't know. I think the Astros win again tonight, and I feel like we really get a reset on Saturday up in the Bronx. And I feel like the Yankees will – I think the Astros are going to get game two, and the Yankees are going to get game three. Can the Yankees come back down 2-0, though? Yeah, for sure. I think they could. Um, But it's really – game four is that game in the series. Whoever wins game four will win the series is what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could I could attest to that. Um, Friday night, tomorrow night, six thirty seven. I don't know why they add the sevens at the end of all these. Yeah, I guess it's like an actual time because you know games never start on the zero unless you're European. Unless you're European, those start on the zero. But like even like Auburn football games, those will start at two thirty seven. Yeah, they just mark it as to be more precise. Um, but yes, that is uh Joe Musgrove taking on who is this? taking on uh, Ranger, Ranger Suarez. Suarez of the Phillies. Does Joe Musgrove continue his postseason dominance into this game? Um, they should hope so. They should hope so. Um, ticket to get into this one, $183, the lowest on ESPN. When I went to the Penn State game last year, one of my fav- we um, flew in the Philly and drove mm-hmm. over. One of my favorite things about the Philly sports scene is how the Wells Fargo Center where the uh, Flyers and Sixers play is right next to Citizens Bank, which is where the Phillies play, which is right next to the link. All your teams are in one parking lot. And I just really like that, as opposed to Boston, where the NFL team plays 45 minutes south, then the baseball team plays in the middle of southern downtown, and then the basketball and hockey play up north about 30 minutes from there. I just like the feeling of having all those teams together. Charlotte's, like, spread out. I mean, the Knights and the Panthers are, like, right next to each other. Mm -hmm. But then the Panthers are, like, 15, 20-minute walk to the Hornets. So it's not terrible. But no, not. another team, the only thing I could equate that to, not to the level of all, like, four of the major teams are all right there, but two of the major teams are right there is in Baltimore because the parking lots between um, Camden Yards and uh, what is that? M&T Bank. M&T Bank Stadium are, like, connecting because, like, there was, like, a bridge and all that stuff, parking lots. That's the only thing. But I like when teams do that. I do, too. Coming from a guy whose team doesn't really have, like, any parking in Charlotte, like, there's no parking around the stadiums. That's yeah, bad. Like, but – when you build a stadium and then like have all that parking with it, that's a great accommodation. Especially being like you're in Philadelphia, you're not in like we're the New York Giants, but we play in New Jersey type of thing. Yeah, it's a premium when you can get that right in between two shipyards. But so, who do you think comes out on top in this one tonight? And oh, tomorrow yeah. night. Back to the actual game itself. Um, Phillies. Yeah, I think the Phillies too. I mean, two teams that had like the, these are two wild card teams who are currently playing. Yeah. We didn't even. We were talking about the Padres at the end. You're like, they lost Tatis. They gave away all this for Soto, only to have him for a year and a half, at least, guaranteed for a year and a half. It's a lot to give away, but hey, 
It's like people when they say the Rams, like the Rams, oh my goodness, they had all this stuff, but their window's closing. They won a championship. That's the whole point. It's almost like now the window matters more now than the championship itself yeah. to an extent. Because like, I feel like the Braves are at the point where if they don't get another kind of on this run, they're going to be looked at as a disappointment. Yeah, I mean, what other like the teams like the Packers only won one with Aaron Rodgers. They've been to yeah. all those championships. NBA comparison, I mean – um, I don't know of an NBA one. I don't know of an NBA one. NFL though, we had the Packers. NHL one, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like there's an argument for uh, not to sound biased, but I feel like there's an argument for the Bruins. I could, yeah, I that's, what, yeah. that's what I was thinking. That's the only thing I could think of. 2013, don't say it. I'm not saying golden it. opportunity. Go Blackhawks. Dang, I'm outnumbered. <laughs> I can agree with that. 2019, you blow a three-one lead. So, you you they could have had three in nine years, but. Whatever. It's kind of like the Rangers. Like that, they yes. even won one. That was bad. Yes, that is a perfect comparison. The Rangers. I mean, the the, the Tigers of the old, like the uh, early two thousand tens. That was. I mean, they had so many chances, and their pitching rotation. They had Verlander and Scherzer. It's incredible, yeah. and they just couldn't do anything with it. Not to the extent of the Rangers, where they like the Rangers were there, like they were right there, and then they just found a way to mess it up each time. Yeah, but. Yeah, baseball's fun. And then Saturday, I mean, we're going to talk about this later on who you got. I don't think they've released the pitching matchups for that one yet, but that'd be a big game for the Yankees if they go down 2-0 tonight. Yeah, it would be. And then, I mean, if the Phillies win t- uh, tomorrow night, the Padres have to steal one at, at the bank. Citizen oh, yeah, bank. they do. Because, yeah, that ticket's more expensive than the other nights. $228 to get in on Saturday at Citizens Bank Ballpark. I always love that for teams when they haven't been in the playoffs for a while and they get there and their tickets are just insane. Mm-hmm. Anything else before we wrap up baseball? Um, It's going to be an exciting ride to the finish here. Yeah, yeah, but that is going to do it for our baseball talk. When we come back, don't go anywhere. We have our first guest from the Auburn beat, Nathan King, joining us in a couple minutes to talk Auburn basketball. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into the Eagles Nest, everybody. As always, it is Griggs Blankenberg again. Alongside me is Daniel Locke. But now we are joined by a very special guest. We are joined by Mr. Nathan King, who covers the Auburn Tigers for 24-7 Sports, and he's part of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. You can find him on Twitter at NathanKing247. Mr. Nathan, how are you doing today, sir? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Well, let's do it. It's a pretty good time for it after after yesterday. Oh, goodness. Um, well, I walked into the Plainsman office, which I guess is just like 30 feet from where y'all are right now, when I was my first week as a freshman at Auburn and uh, didn't didn't necessarily know that's what I wanted to do. Um, I just knew it was something I was, I was interested in uh, lightly. And then uh, when I was a freshman, I went to just about every Auburn softball and women's basketball game that I could. I just kind of um, really enjoyed that aspect of things. And then I uh, just got more involved there over time and eventually was the uh, the sports editor at the Plainsman for, for a couple of years. And, and y'all know that, uh, I mean, y'all know better than anybody. Student, student media can, can take you a lot of places and do a lot of really cool stuff for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just kind of kept on, kept on keeping on with that. And uh, eventually it led to some, some pretty great opportunities. So definitely thankful for, for Auburn student media because that's, uh, yeah, it's definitely where I kind of, kind of cut my teeth, if you will. It's been just such an amazing experience. So I owe a huge debt of gratitude to Auburn Sports Media. How is this team? How is this year's team different from last year's? Yeah, I mean, 
it's like Bruce Pearl said yesterday, the biggest uh, biggest question mark is going to be replacing Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler. And that's, I mean, that's, that's not a, that's not a hot take. It's not breaking news or anything. Anytime you have not only a couple all Americans, but they're both in your front court and they both end up being first round picks in the, uh, in the NBA draft. Um, and both of them look like they're going to be pretty, I mean, last night they both had pretty good NBA debuts. So, um, you know, those were two of the top seven, eight, nine most talented players in college basketball um, last season, evident in the fact that, I mean, nobody would argue that was Jabari Smith. And then of course, Walker Kessler wins um, national defensive player of the year. And so, you know, this is a team that I think is going to lean a little bit more on its guard leadership. Um, you know, we'll see what, what ends up working offensively with a guy like John I broom. Um, I, I, I you know, he was the biggest transfer target for this entire staff. When you look at uh, you look at their transfer board, Bruce Pearl has talked about it over and over again. He was the number one guy they wanted in the off season. And I, I think that was over a guy like Yoan Traor. I think, you know, once broom hit the market, um, Bruce Pearl knew what kind of defensive presence he was. Listen, he was third in the country last year in block rate. Um, obviously, Walker Kessler was number one, um, and the number two guy was the that that center from Western Kentucky who's like seven foot seven. So I think Broom is a pretty pretty solid defensive player. Obviously, you know, both seasons in the Ohio Valley Conference, he was a first team All Conference pick, and it was just no surprise that he was one of the best big men out there. So in terms of talent, you're reloading that front line just fine. Uh, you look you look at Broom and Treor. Obviously, Treor was a you know, top 35 overall recruit. Um, you guys have obviously seen you know, when he was in Israel and just some of the stuff they've been doing in practice. Anytime you get a look at this guy, um, you know, the athleticism is absolutely there. And, and Bruce Pearl has, you know, compared him to a guy like a Tobias Harris. He's compared him to a guy like a Shumo Kiki, where, you know, as soon as he gets them on campus, he's like, all right, in, in terms of athletic ability, this guy might be pretty special. You wonder about how, how difficult that transition might be at the beginning of the season is, is my biggest thing because, um, you know, y'all remember at the beginning of last year, obviously they lost to UConn, but they were rolling through non-conference play. And then they won what their first, they started 10 and 0 in the SEC. And that was a team that Bruce has said repeatedly was kind of abnormal in, in its ability to gel over the summer. Um, and, and a lot of that goes back, you know, they had a bunch of newcomers, you know, Wendell Green, Steph Jasper, Kate, all of those guys are in their first year as well. Um, and it was just kind of abnormal how quickly they gelled. So much of that goes back to Kessler and Jabari Smith. This time around, there's only a few newcomers. I mean, it's a little bit more um, of a veteran team. So I do think that that's where maybe you'll see this team differ from last year, a lot relying a little bit more on that veteran leadership because I think if if they're veteran guys like a Wendell Green, like a Zeph Jasper, Katie Johnson, Jalen Williams, I think it's going to be really important, important, obviously, Alan Flagg. If, if those guys aren't playing well, I'm not sure that the newcomers will be allowed to succeed that much. Whereas last season, it didn't really matter. Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler were going to get there regardless. Um, I think this year it might be a little bit more reliant on uh, on that veteran execution, making sure but things are running smoothly on both sides of the floor. Yeah, we are still with uh, Nathan King of 24-7 Sports. Um, Mr. King, our next question, uh, what returning player are you looking to, most, uh, the, to impact the team the most? You talk about returning players in your last little bit there. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a there's a bunch of intriguing options. Um, you know, I'm I'm really interested to see what happens with that rotation at the four. Um, a guy like a Jalen Williams, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being the starter there at least at the beginning of the season. Um, Traor is a fantastic talent, and I think could end up being Auburn's best player by the end of the season. Um, but he, you know, he's just got a lot of raw tools um, right now. He was he was their latest arrival in the summer. You know, nobody ended up getting to practice later than him. Um, and so, yeah, you, you wonder about a guy like Jalen Williams, who, I mean, at the end of last season, 
when Auburn was struggling offensively, you look at that Texas A&M game in the SEC tournament, you look at the Miami game, even against Jacksonville State in the first round, um, he was he was cooking. He was he was one of their best players. But I think so much of it goes back to Wendell Green. It, it, it'd just be difficult for me to not say, uh, you know, what, what Wendell Green does in terms of orchestrating this offense is going to be so important. I wouldn't be surprised to see him be the starter this year. I think they like the idea of Katie Johnson coming off the, coming off the bench as a sixth man. Um, you know, he's, he is kind of that prototypical sixth man, the way he just you know plays like he shot out of a cannon. Um, you know, Wendell was pretty good coming off the bench last season, but I think they like the idea of um, Zepp Jasper playing that off guard spot and Wendell Green running the offense. I mean, he had stretches last year where he looked like top two, three point guard in the SEC, one of the best point guards in the country. He also had some inconsistent stretches, but he's talked about that all offseason, you know, needing to be more consistent, needing to be a better leader. And I really do think, you know, it's such a guard-oriented game. Um, and like I talked about before, I think there is plenty of talent elsewhere, but it's less so than last season. So you're going to need a guy like Wendell Green to execute night in and night out. You're going to need a guy like Seth Jasper to execute that offense. And defensively, it, you know, it's important, their their experience on defense. You're going to need those guys to, to do what they need to do because I, I, I just think the other pieces on this roster are a little younger, maybe a little less talented, and so they're going to need to lean on that veteran um, leadership. And I, I think it's all going to start with Wendell Green, a point guard. I got you. So which position, Bow, are you most interested in going into this season? Oh, man. I mean, that that three spot um, is really intriguing, um, you know, just because of some of the developments. I mean, we've seen a development with all three of those guys. Um, in Israel, Chance Westry was awesome. I mean, I know in a couple of those games they were pretty much just, you know, playing what would, what would you know, basically be like Division three college team um, over here. And then once they ended up playing the national team, uh, Westry kind of disappeared in that game because he's, you know, because he's a freshman and he's very young. Um, but he showed a lot of good promise in that game. You know, he's such an interesting player on this roster because, I mean, the dude was like a top 60 overall recruit and he's kind of forgotten about in terms of the newcomers um, because of Treyor, who we've talked about, because of John Iberum and how important it's going to be for them to be good in the front court. Um, you know, he's a guy that is coming in at a position that has a starter in Alan Flanagan, has an experienced backup in Chris Moore. And so, you know, he's, he's been kind of flown under the radar, but this is a guy with a ton of talent. Um, I could absolutely see him being one of those guys that develops into an NBA player a couple seasons under Bruce Pearl. And then, you know, some of the other factors that have gone into it. Alan Flanagan missed a couple weeks of practice here. Um, Bruce Pearl said the other day the starter at that position right now, if they were to start the season, would be Chris Moore because, obviously, uh, Chance Westry is out after a minor knee procedure. He'll be back before the season starts. And then Flanagan has missed a little bit of practice. So just like last year when Flanagan missed, in, what, the first 12 games, I believe, of the season coming off that Achilles injury, um, that three spot is going to be interesting again. It just needs to be interesting in a good way for Auburn because last year you really looked at that and, and game by game, really, if you holistically looked at Auburn's entire season, that was probably the weakest spot out of the five positions. I know the guards had their inconsistencies, whatever, but uh, but the guards actually you know, also had really, really good games. And so overall the three spot was their weakest. Now you bring in a guy like Chance Wester, who's a high-level recruit. You lose a veteran like Devin Cambridge. And then you have Alan Flanagan coming back after, you know, another injury, um, you know, something, excuse me, not another injury, but another step back for him. Um, but he did go to that NBA draft process. He did say that made a big difference for him. So I think the biggest key, you're talking about, you know, biggest position battles. I think the biggest key is going to be what happens there at the three, not necessarily who starts, but just who, it needs to be a net gain. You know, losing Cambridge, bringing in Westry, another year for Flanagan, all those factors kind of mixed in. It needs to be a net gain for Auburn at that position this season. They need to they need to have more production and more consistent, consistency out of that spot. 
We are once again with Nathan King of 24-7 Sports. Uh, Nathan, which game are you most interested in in Auburn's schedule? Oh, man, there's so many good ones. Um, you know, something it was uh, – I didn't even realize it until Bruce Pearl uh, mentioned it to me a couple weeks ago. I was talking to him about, you know, y- y'all are the only team in the SEC that is playing three high majors on the road um, at a conference. They're obviously playing uh, Washington and USC in that, uh, in that West Coast road trip. And then they go to West Virginia in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Um, he told me they're the only team in college basketball doing that. Uh, they're the only team in the country that are playing three high majors on the road. And so I think you know, maybe that you know, people were looking at this non-conference thing. Well, it doesn't have as much firepower as last season. But in terms of resume building and possible quad one game, it's one of the best in the country. Um, and so, you know, I'll, I'll be looking you know, those three will be particularly Washington and USC. I think if Auburn is in a position to steal one of those, um, then that's really good for them because both of those teams, you know, Washington and USC will absolutely be, you know, expected to win those games. You know, it's an out-of-conference game at home. It should be a big environment. Um, to me, it, it comes back, and I, you know, I hate to, like, skirt the question and not pick one game. That final stretch of the season is awesome, and I, and I think it's just going to have such an impact on, uh, on the SEC title race and what we're looking at in terms of the top four seeds. You know, at the end of every regular season, we're always doing this thing where we – you know, we're looking at what the bracket could look like. You know, what's the SEC tournament going to look like? And what are the tiebreakers? Well, Auburn's last three opponents of the season are Kentucky, Alabama, both on the road, and then Tennessee at home in the final game of the regular season. Those are expected, you know, those should be three of the top five teams in the SEC this season. So you're going to kind of be able to write your own destiny in those last few games. But the difficult part is two of those last three are on the road. And so, you know, I really look at that last week of the season, those last three games is probably probably will end up being critical um, for Auburn. Maybe not to win the SEC because I don't I don't. You will see Bruce Pearl's teams they exceed expectations all the time. Um, but this is such a loaded league. Um, I think Auburn would just be happy. I think it'd be a very successful season if they ended up being in the top four of the SEC and, and, and get that double buy. And I just I look at this last stretch and I think you know as it pertains to that, as it pertains to SEC and NCAA tournament seeding. I think those final three games are, are incredible. If Auburn can go two and one in that stretch, um, that would probably be really big. It would probably, you know, we'll see what happens, but it would probably give them a pretty decent chance of, of being a top four seed in the league again. So, Nathan, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and talk some Auburn basketball with us. We hope to have you on again soon. All right, no problem. Appreciate y'all. Y'all have a good one. You too. That was uh, Nathan King of the Auburn Beat. He's with 24-7 Sports and the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Once again, you can find him on Twitter at Nathan King 24-7. That was really good, Dan. I hope we can have him back on, especially in studio next time. I do too. That'd be really, really awesome. Love that guy and just great content there. Great. Great. Our first actual beat writer coming on to talk Auburn Sports with us. So that means a lot to us here at Stumia. So thank you again, Nathan, for coming on the show. But when we come back, it's the start of the second hour of the show. We're talking some basketball. We're continuing our talk about basketball, but now that we are going to the NBA. So don't go anywhere this is auburn uh this is weagle 91.1 fm and the eagle's nest stay tuned and welcome back into the eagle's nest everybody this is the start of the second hour of the show we want to again thank nathan king of 24 7 sports and the auburn undercover podcast for coming on the show being our first auburn beat writer to come on the show really appreciate that but now it's time for our second hour and we are now talking about the national basketball association for the first time this year really so Another first year on the Eagles' nest. Oh, yeah. And what a time to be a Boston Celtic. All right, Daniel. Take it away. Oh, yes. So on Tuesday night, my Boston Celtics, to kick off the 2022-2023 campaign, 
opened it up in TD Garden against our good friend from Eagle Eye TV, Vince Wolfram's Philadelphia 76ers. Real quick, shameless plug for Vince. Check out his stuff. Yes, Vince. The is guy's am- incredible. Vince is amazing. The guy's Love the Vince. dude. He's you, a dude. If you're looking for some great Auburn content, oh, yeah, go to Vince's stuff. Vince, Vince is, is your guy. incredible. Love Vince. Such a nice guy. But yeah, this is this is a big win for the Seas. Oh yeah, it really is. Um, 126 to 117. I was a little er- worried early on because the Celtics were having trouble shooting, but Jason Tatum, 35 points, 13 of 20 from the field, and seven for nine at the stripe. James Harden leading the Sixers in points with 35, going 9 of 14 from the field and a perfect 12 for 12 at the stripe. Joel Embiid led the Sixers in rebounds with 15. Tatum led the way there for the Celtics as well with 12. And then your leading assister for the Sixers was James Harden. So And, you're and then Jalen Brown also had 35. Oh, yeah. I just saw that. My fault, Jalen. Love that guy. Just I'm excited for this season, Griggs, and I love basketball. It's one of my favorite sports. I always kind of forget about it until after, basketball. After losing last year and then what kind of transpired in the offseason, I mean, it's great to see the Celtics win this one because they needed some good news. And this is really – I mean, they're again, they didn't lose really any key pieces, if I'm not mistaken. So Not really, no. So this is a great setup spot for them, especially in an Eastern Conference. It's still not that – Heavy at the top, really. It's you got like three or four teams who are consistent at the top. Not like the Western Conference where it's all the way up and down six through seven, really. But yeah, it was a good one to start. And then also there we have the defending champs, the Golden State Warriors taking on the Los Angeles Lakers. Final score in that one, one twenty three nineteen in favor of the Warriors. Uh LeBron James the leading score for the Lakers, thirty one points, twelve of twenty six, three for ten from three. Yeah, bad day for the uh, Lakers from three points, 10 of 40. Um, Russell Westbrook had 19 points, 11 rebounds, and three assists, was 7 for 12. One of his better shooting nights, actually. Yeah, and I don't root for the Warriors often, but I always will against the Lakers just because, you know, I'm a Celtics fan. But this this one was just entertaining. It, it was entertaining to watch. Leading scorer for the Warriors was uh, Steph Curry, 33 points, 10 of 22 from shooting. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, 20 points. Clay Thompson, 18. Yeah, I mean, Warriors are picking up right where they left off, so not surprising. I mean, this is still a team that is really, really good in the NBA and didn't really lose any key pieces again. They don't. They still have that core there and looking for another big year for them. Yeah, and then um, moving into the Wednesday window, mm-hmm. the Orlando Magic, Paolo Banchero Boo. scored 27 points in his NBA debut. They lost to the Pistons, though, so does it even count? 27. Does it even count, though? They lost to the Pistons. Griggs, 27. That's the Auburn in me. I'm sorry. And the, me, the Auburn in me and then the Duke hater in me, so there's that. But, yeah, I mean, looked good. I mean, it's the Pistons. Again, not to damper on that any, but still, it's the Pistons. True. Can't get away from that fact. Um, uh, What else did we got? Uh, we had the game I was at, Hawks versus Rockets. Hawks win this one, 117 to 107. Um, the top scorer for the Hawks was John Collins in that one, with uh, 24 points, and that's actually crazy. Look, Atlanta's starting lineup: four of the five players in their starting lineup had 20 or more points. That's how they won that game. That was incredible. Yeah, it was really, really cool. Uh, Trey Young, 23 points, uh, seven of 22 shooting. Not the greatest night for him, but 13 assists to go along with that. So pretty good in that regard. Not three-point shooting wasn't that good for the Hawks last night, but still, it was, eh, it was okay. 
But then for the Rockets, uh, Auburn uh, number three overall draft pick Jabari Smith with 17 points in his NBA debut, debut going for seven rebounds, one assist in that one. Uh, three for 11 from three, six of 17 shooting. I felt like being there that game, if he just drove inside more, he only really took like one true mid-range shot, and he swished it. I'm like, that's, that was his bread and butter really last year. Yeah, I don't know why they, you know, kind of didn't have more of those set up for him since I feel like that would have been a lot better. I mean, he's the rookie, so they're not going to give him too many shots out the gate, but that's still a young team. But here's another funny thing, the Auburn thing we were talking I was talking about with our good friend Connor Greenberg. We were talk, we were sitting next to each other at the game, and we saw that Ty Ty Washington was out for the Houston Rockets, and so we joked, oh, no matter what, this game doesn't count because Ty Ty doesn't play. Right. Um, other ones last night, um, Pelicans destroyed the Nets, 130 to 108. Still confirming the fact that Brooklyn really has not proved anything since they've had the, that duo of Durant and Kyrie Irving. Yeah, um, I agree with you on that, and that is just kind of, that's a good duo. And I really think that New Orleans is good this year. I really do. And Zion looked really good. He did, which I'm very excited about. And I really hope kind of the health issues are behind him and he can just really help New Orleans get to a higher level of play. I think Brandon Ingram also is the most underrated, like not talked about player in the league. Yeah, he's good. Like he is cons- he made 20 he was went 28-7 and 5 last night. And he he's really good. I mean, ever since he's been like all the stuff that the Pelicans have been through and all this stuff. He's been like that rock there. So, And he's been performing really well, and he's not talked about too much since they're in the New Orleans is a little bit smaller of a market in the NBA. Yeah. And, you know, it's just something that I'm interested to see kind of the direction it goes. Because I remember another time that the Pelicans looked like they were on the up and up, and then everything just went crap again. So I'm just interested to see if they can you know maintain this and keep building on it and get to that level. Uh, Hornets 129, Spurs 102, without LaMelo Ball. Um, I mean, the Spurs are bad. I wasn't expecting this type of win. From, I didn't even really expect the Hornets to win. The line going into this one was a Charlotte was a – or no, it was even here on Bleacher Report. Was a, Charlotte was a one-point favorite. So this kind of shocked me in that regard. I mean, Charlotte did shoot 44% from three, so that always helps. But yeah. without LaMelo Ball winning your first game and not having, like, Miles Bridges there – I mean, that's impressive just to score 129 points. Kelly yeah. U- Kelly Oubre did really well in that uh, coming in role. He had three steals last night and 13 points. He looked good, and so did Terry Rozier. Mm-hmm. I mean, former Celtics right there. Terry Rozier, 10 of 19 from the field, 4 of 7 from three, six rebounds, six assists. So, yeah, we just need people to be able to carry their weight until LaMelo comes back. How long is he out? I think a few games. It's not. It shouldn't be too long. I think two or three games. Okay. Good. I don't think too too long. But Dennis Smith Jr. off the bench, twelve points, five of seven from the field, two of two from three. He really needs this one. After uh, he was doing well with the uh, the Mavericks, and then they just decided to just yeah. deal him. And it's been kind of like that an Isaiah Thomas like effect. Like once he left the Celtics, he really didn't do much. He was like the guy there, and then once Luca got there, he kind of took a, a back door to him, but. Glad to see him doing well again. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And hopefully they can start really just keep playing good. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Now ESPN's starting to act up again for me. I got you. So, I'll just keep it rolling if that's cool with you. Mm-hmm. Phoenix versus Dallas. What a comeback. 
Dude. Like, I thought it was over. I did, too. I really did, too. I think it was uh, – they were down 22 or 18 or something like that at halftime. Yeah. I think. Yeah. So – and then it was, like, a glance at, like, what happened in Game 7 of last year's um, Western Conference semifinals. It really looked like – I thought that was going to be what happened. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And it, it did feel eerily similar to that. It also kind of reminded me of that game that we went to when the Hornets were down like 30 and they came all the way back. And then lost by like 20 still. Yeah. But, yeah. That was a fun game. That was a fun game. Oh, Hanging out with Rick. Mm-hmm. Love Rick. Love Rick. Our, fi- our I think our really final game before we get into our predictions for this year, uh, Grizzlies 115, Knicks 112. Grizzlies outlast the Knicks in overtime. Uh, Grizzlies are probably the most fun team to watch in basketball if you don't have a team, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. John Morant. 34 points. If John Morant stays healthy the entire year, they are a like certified two seed this year. In my I believe that. Yeah, I um at the Ole Miss game, I was sitting next to this guy. Excuse me. Gosh, from a radio station in Memphis. Mm-hmm. And, um just some I, I think maybe their local ESPN affiliate. And I was talking to him about the Grizzlies. He was like, How old are you? I was like, I'm a sophomore. He was like, Okay, I've been covering the Grizzlies for as long as you've been alive. And I've never seen so much energy around the team. I was like, that's just really cool to hear. I mean, yeah. I mean, what do they have? Like, all like our time growing up, who do they have? Their only player really was like, what, Ty Rudolph? Uh, who was that good player? Uh, oh, they had uh, Mike Conley for a little while. Marcus All. They had Mike Conley for – yeah, Marcus All was defensive player. He, they had Mike Conley for a little bit, but – J. Michael Green. Mm. <laughs> I think the only thing for Jaw now is to just limit those turnovers. And then yeah. he's had six last night. That's why he was only plus one last night with – 34 points, but... I'm glad we got to see him play. It was very interesting. I saw a lot of good players play last year. At, Including in Jason Center. Tatum. Mm, Jason Tatum. Oh, man. Tired. Yeah, including yeah. Jason Tatum, Jalen mm-hmm. Brown, and Marcus Smart. And Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and... Uh, what's his name? Um, Giannis. How can I forget Giannis? Giannis but, is trash. I'm kidding. But let's go ahead and do this one before we go to break. Let's do our Eastern Conference uh, champion prediction. Since this technically is our... We'll say this is our NBA preview-esque. Sure. Um, hmm. This isn't me being biased. I promise. Okay. It's not. The Celtics are special this year. They All were right. special last year. They're special this year. They added talent, so I really am expecting a big year. Could you see anyone? Who would you? Who are you most? As a Celtics fan, who are you most worried about in that regard? The Bucks. The Bucks. The Bucks and the Heat. Okay, okay. the Bucks and the Heat. And honestly, the Sixers look mm. scary. Yeah. Eastern Conference is really weird like that, where it's always, like, the same, like, four teams whenever LeBron was on the Cavs, and then there's just all these other teams competing for the five through eight spots. I don't really see the Bucks doing in this year. I would say the Bulls. I don't know how long Zach Levine is out for. Mm-hmm. I think the Heat, if Jimmy Butler can get clicking and Bam Adebayo can play really, really well and they have that good bench depth, I'm gonna go with the Heat for now, but I would not be surprised if the Celtics make it back to the conference to the uh, NBA Finals. Yeah, I wouldn't either. And Western Conference. Hmm. I think the Suns are gonna get back this year. Hmm. Okay. I think it's the Warriors again. They didn't really lose anyone, and the only people I could see potentially competing with them is the Grizzlies, maybe the Suns, but the Suns can't be going down to good teams by 20 at halftime every game and expect to come back. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So they they've got to clean that up. And then final prediction, you going Celtics? Uh, yeah, I am. I don't know because if I say it's Celtics Warriors again, or I said I was technically said it was Heat, 
versus Warriors. So I'm going to go with the Warriors again. But yeah. And then let's just do one more real quickly. Let's go MVP. Does the Joker go three in a row? No. John Morant. John Morant. I think John Morant as well, barring injury, will be the NBA MVP. Barring injury. So, like, if he misses, like, two or three games, that's okay. If he's out for, like, a month, there's no chance. Because the MVP usually goes to a player hoops. Unless it was, like, the last, like, two minutes of the series, then yes. That would be the last, like, two weeks of the season, then I think he'd be okay. But, yeah, he has to play. But, yeah, that's going to do it for our NBA talk when we come back. We're talking the NFL, baby. NFL is king. We come back. We're re- we're recapping last week's slate and previewing a pretty eh kind of week in the NFL. But don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Alongside me, as always, is Greg Blankenberg. We've had a loaded show today as we recapped Auburn's game against Ole Miss as well as Week 7 in college football. We also previewed Week 8 in college football, and it's just been a very good show. What else have we talked about? NBA. We had Nathan King on. Oh, yeah. How could I forget? Just kidding. We had um, Auburn beat writer Nathan King on, and that was a really good conversation. We just kind of previewed the Auburn basketball season. So if you missed that, if you feel so inclined, I would highly recommend listening to it on the podcast version of today's show, which will be up later. Mm -hmm. Now it's time to talk about the NFL. NFL is king. Mr. Locke, huh. it is. Uh, yeah. Even though we, me and you both don't really care about it too much anymore. No, right I've kind of given up for a little bit. Um, where do we want to start for last week a little bit? We're doing both weeks for this one segment. Um, I guess Commanders-Bears last Thursday night. That was um, a scene. Were you watching that game or no? Unfortunately. Uh, how does Justin Fields overthrow that guy that badly in the end zone? Because he's not very talented. Yeah, he, yeah. I don't really know what you were I mean, expecting me to talking, say. I mean, I was talking to Bears fans. I'm like, they still kind of believe in him a little bit. Just, I don't know. He's only, I mean, his over-unders for throwing the passes have been like throw 14 passes. Not even complete 14. It's been throw 14 or yeah. more. So, as a quarterback, you can't really have that. And then I don't even, Khalil Herbert's their best weapon. I, I don't even, this Bears team is weird. But then the Commanders, again, Carson Wentz is out. I've heard all the Commanders fans I've talked to, Taylor Heineke's been – oh, what, Daniel? I know what we're doing after the show. What are we doing after the show? Ben's Pretzels Food Truck Pop-Up, October twentieth, 2022. That is, in fact, today on the Roosevelt Concourse. Ah. Sorry to interrupt you, but that was just very important. That was very important. Unfortunately, I won't be able to because I have class. Skip it. I'm kidding. Never Go to class. Go to class. Um, but, yeah, Commanders – get Taylor Heineke back. All the people I've talked to who are Commanders fans are happy that Heineke is back. Yeah. He did lead them to a playoff spot in 2020. That, that is a thing that happened. Yes. Uh, Falcons win 28-14 over the 49ers. Um, Mariota had three touchdowns, and I know a lot of the 49ers were injured, but still, that's really good for the Falcons. Yeah, I agree. Just that NFC West is so interesting in this year in that regard because they're like all have like the same record as of right mm-hmm. now. The um, Seahawks are three and three. Forty Nine ers are three and three. The uh, Rams are three and three, and the Cardinals are two and four. So it's anyone's game. It is. What else? I'm just so tired of the NFL by now. Yeah, me too. It's a lot to deal with. Um, Patriots destroy the Browns. Uh, Bailey Zappi is he the guy? Is he a dude? As we like to say on the show. <laughs> I think it might just be one of those situations where you just let him play until he proves he can't. 
But then again, if they put back in Mac Jones and he does not that good, I mean, Patriots fans are going to be crying for Zappy. Yeah, which is nuts to believe because, um, you know, Mac Jones was for a lot of the year last year until Jamar Chase kind of put things together was kind of the consensus um, offensive rookie of the year. So one year later to see him get pitched would be really funny. That's make me yawn. I know. I'm sorry. I need All to good. start drinking some coffee or something before. But I did have coffee today, so I don't really know what's going on. Anyway. You're just looking at this uh, this week's slate of the NFL. Yeah, that that's it. That Yeah. It's bad. <laughs> it's bad. Um, other games this last week. Uh, Jets 27, Packers 10. Are the Jets legit? I'm more inclined each week um, to think that they might be. So if they win one more game, I'll say they're legit. But what does that even make the Packers? Because they're, now they're three and three. Bad, bad. I'm I'm starting to feel that way about the Packers. Just... Jets, Broncos on Sunday. Let's go. Okay, I'm excited now. <laughs> okay, now he's excited about last week's. Um, do you want to talk about the Saints game or no? Yeah, why not? All so right. the Saints play the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase returning to the state of Louisiana, where they are national heroes. And this one was pretty rough. I'm not gonna lie. The Saints had a pretty good lead early, and then they just kind of blew it uh, late in the game. They had an opportunity to win kind of late, and then just you know Andy Dalton just couldn't help the team get it done. So just not our day, and now we're on the Arizona. On Arizona. Yeah, that's tonight on Prime. But I know both of us will be at the Auburn Soccer Complex, so not going to yep. be watching that one. This is my first time actually getting to attend a soccer game this year as a member of the Jungle. So I'm very excited. That'll be very fun. It is an exciting time. You'll um, be in there in that capacity as well, yes? Yes, I will okay, be. Good, good. What other fine. games? Um, Panthers lost to the Rams 24-10. I mean, we took the lead at one point. We were yeah. up 3 nothing going into the second quarter. Um, I don't even know. When McCaffrey's our leading rusher and receiver, that's never a good sign for our receivers. Uh, Robbie Anderson went off the field, Antonio Brown-esque, in the middle of the game. So What was that all about? I don't know. It's just... He had that one year with Teddy Bridgewater, and ever since Sam Darnold's come back in some capacity, he's just not been himself. And now he's on the Cardinals. So there's that. We got like the sixth and the seventh round picked for him. So there we go. Making yeah. progress. But, yeah, this team is bad. We have a 43% chance to get the number one overall pick. It's, it's not looking good. I mean, it could be 2010-esque. So what exactly is going on in y'all's quarterback room? Uh, injuries and, yeah, injuries. Uh, Baker's out on the IR. Sam Darnold just got released off IR. I don't think he's going to play this week. I think P.J. Walker is going to be able to play. But And then Jacob Eason's our backup quarterback. So Jacob Eason came in to play quarterback last week, which is Jacob Eason on an NFL quarterback was not. D.J. Moore couldn't even remember his name. <laughs> so how long until Matt Corral? Matt Corral's out for the year. With what? He, like, hurt his leg really bad. Did that happen? I know. That's what all the Panthers fans are saying. Like, if Matt Corral was healthy, he'd be getting so many reps right now. Yeah. To see if we want to use our high, very high pick next year on a quarterback. Now it's just, I don't know, use a third-round pick on Matt Corral. That third-round pick is always interesting because if you get it right, you're always talked about as, like, this is amazing. Can't believe he got this. But if you get it wrong, it's like you kind of wasted a third-round pick right there, which is what the Panthers really yeah. did with Wheel Greer back in – 2019. Well, I like the Saints with Alvin Kamara. Well, that was definitely a win. Yeah. But, yeah, I just don't even know. This team is so bad. It's just – it's hard to watch. It really is. Um, 
Uh, Bills Chiefs 24-20 in favor of the Bills. Bills are the best team in football, hands down. I, yeah. I mean, the Eagles are there, but they're not playing teams like the Chiefs every single week. Yep. Um, yeah, the Bills are good. The Bills are very good. I mean, they did, it wasn't an offensive like shootout as everyone really thought it was going to be. But still, it was still a good game. And Mahomes throwing an interception down four with like a minute and a half to go. That was not expected at all. No, it just seemed very like, wow, I can't believe he really just did that. He, and there goes my ESPN. Yep. And it's kind of like a, oh, he is human after all kind of moment. Yeah. Yeah. So there was that. Um, Cowboys versus Eagles. Eagles win 26-17. Um, Cooper Rush comes back down to earth. Maybe not as good as everyone thought he was made out to be. Yeah, the birds are good. Right now it is looking very likely it's a birds versus bills Super Bowl, which would be the craziest tailgate of all time. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it would be. That would be well. Where is the Super Bowl this I year? I think Arizona. I'm pretty oh, wow. sure. I feel like Arizona and Houston just get it all the time. I know. For like, it's so random. Because I know Arizona had it. It was the Patriots the interception. Arizona year. just hosts like a big event like every like three years. Just yeah. so like, I'm like, that stadium uh, must be pretty nice. Um, uh, what else do we got? Um, weeks. Uh, let's just move to week seven. Yeah, let's do it. Let's go. Um, Stars tonight, if you feel so inclined to watch yeah, it. Yeah, Saints-Cardinals, I'm not going to watch that. I'm not either. I don't even have Prime. I thought about getting a one-week uh, free trial or something, but I'm not even going to waste the effort. Uh, Browns-Ravens, um, I think I'm going to go Ravens in this one. Yeah, I am too. I just don't believe in the Browns right Me now. Uh, Bucks-Panthers, this is a perfect get-right game for the Bucks, so I expect them to win this one by a large margin. I hope Carolina can pull the, uh, the upset. Mm-hmm. I, honestly, at this point, I don't know because I really want a high pick. And this would be so Panthers to like win games that like we shouldn't win and they get like the sixth or seventh pick. So that would be really Panthers. Um, Falcons-Bengals. Um, this will be the – are the Falcons – could they get a seven-seed game? Yeah, I agree. Especially with the Bengals coming off that win in the Superdome. They just, I mean, they need another good game. I mean, they uh, do. Is Marcus Mariota? Marcus Mariota starting to improve a lot, so he's been really good. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know what to expect. I really don't. Um, Lions Cowboys. It sounds like Dak's coming back. This is a home game, but oh, then man, again, no more Cooper Rush. I don't think the line. You can get into this one for twenty six bucks. It's sad. I like Dan Campbell. I just don't know if he's going to make it. It's sad. I really, I really thought that this team would be capable of getting a turnaround, and I maybe that was my mistake, but yeah, I'm with you, Greg. So it's just, it's one of those things you see, and you're just like, oh man. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, Giants, Jaguars. Um, I still don't really believe in the Giants, but if they start off six and one, I kind of like what you were talking about with the Jets. Like, I'm gonna have to say they're like legit. Yeah. I just still don't trust Daniel Jones. Too much, and their receiving core is not that good at all either. I'm starting him in fantasy this week. You are indeed, yes. Um, Colts Titans. I think this is one of another meh game this week. Yeah, I don't really know anyone who's excited for this. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Do we even? I feel like we. There's some Titans fans around here since technically we're my close. friend Ben back in Birmingham is a Titans fan, 
and I think the Titans are Tyler Graydon's team just because of Derrick Henry, but I, I could be wrong. I think my friend Henry is a Titans fan. But yeah, I, th- I think my Uncle Rick's a Colts fan, or at least he used to be to a margin. I don't think he is a big one as he was back in the day, but there's that. Yeah. Um, Packers, Commanders, I got the Packers. Eh, but then Taylor Heineke could go off. Who knows? Um, Jets, Broncos, ugh. The, you're calling the Jets legit after they beat the Broncos? No, I'm going to need two more weeks. Yeah, you're going to need two more weeks. Uh, I got the Raiders over the Texans in this next one. Yeah, me too. Seahawks, Chargers? Ew. Oh, Brandon Staley, I don't trust him as a coach, but I like Justin Herbert. This is bad. This is bad. This is really bad. For uh, Monday Night Football, it's horrible. At least... Chiefs 49ers, that could be interesting. True. That's one of our who you got games. Um, Steelers, Dolphins. I guess two is back, so I think this will be a Dolphins win. Is he back already? I think so. And is Mitch, and not Mitch, um, is uh, Kenny Pickett cleared out of the concussion protocol? I, th- I think, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, finally, uh, Bears, Patriots. I think the Patriots, especially if they start Bailey Zappi. Yeah, I agree. Prime time. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's going to do it for our NFL talk. Really boring week. When we come back, we're talking hockey. Me and Daniel Steen, or Daniel seems off to a good start. Mine's doing better than expected to an extent. But when we come back, it's all NHL. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Daniel Locke. Alongside me, as always, Greg Splankenberg. And in our last segment before our Pick'em segment, Who You Got, we are going to be talking about the National Hockey League. Yes, indeed we are. The National Hockey League is now kicking up into full swing. A lot of interesting matchups going on. Uh, last night was really interesting. All three games were 4-3 games, two of them going to overtime. Uh, Panthers beat the Flyers, who started out 3-1. and one. Yeah, um, that was a good game. 4-3 in favor of the Panthers in that one. And then the Jets beat the defending champs in overtime, 4-3, to handing the Avalanche their first overtime loss of the year. Um, two goals for, oh boy, here we go. Um, Neil Pionk, I think? Yeah, Pionk, Poink, Point, whatever. same thing. Yeah, two goals for him. And then Rantanen also had two goals in that one. And then the Blues last night take the... 4-3 win over Seattle in Seattle with um, Justin Fox, two goals. So, Blues are off to a better start than people thought they would be. True. Especially after they didn't really do much this offseason. They lost some pieces. They lost a backup goalie who they thought they should have had. But, yeah. And other hockey news. Let's go through the stats real quick. Um... If my ESPN decides to load, it is not loading again. After yeah, I'm, I already, on, I'm on CBS. After I had already gotten on there. So that is very disappointing in that regard. Um, points leader so far, number 10 for the um, New York Rangers, Artemi Panarin, former Blackhawk, is has 10 points, followed by Rantanen in second with nine of the Colorado Avalanche. And Daniel's guy, David Pasternak, and Nushushkin, uh, and then McKinnon and... Zabinjad of the Rangers. So, really crowded at the top right now. Probably be more Dreisaitl and McDavid once we get into the swing of things more and more. 
Yeah. Have you heard of that thing? It's the Canadians player. I can't even pronounce his last name. And he was like, my nickname's Wi-Fi since my last name looks like a Wi-Fi password. I did not see I that. Saw it. That was so funny. I did not see that yet. Um, defensemen who are leading the way in points is Shane Gutsbeher of the Arizona Coyotes. Well, the Coyotes got something good to talk about right now. Yeah, for a little bit until they have to play their first home game. Which is for a while. Remember we talked about that last week a little bit. Yeah. Um, they are currently in seventh place in the Central Division of the Western Conference. Um, but then also tied for the top spot is, of course, Cal McCarr with five points. That was expected. Yeah, I agree. Adam Fox of the Rangers, also with five. And Tony D'Angelo of the Philadelphia Flyers. Flyers. Uh, the Flyers. Flyers are off to a decent start this year, I'd say. Hopefully it doesn't last. Yeah. I mean, that top spot of the Metropolitan... Oh, no, the, the Hurricanes are in first now. Uh-oh. Dang it. Oh, boy. Well, they've only allowed three goals, too. Oh, no. Well, who do they play already? They played the Kraken. Doesn't count. They played the Sharks. Doesn't count. Well, that technically was the Blackhawks' only win, so that's ha- that half counts. <laughs> and then they beat the Blue Jackets 4-1. to one. So, they need to be doing better. Yeah, I agree. Uh, leading the way for uh, rookies has been Kalen Addison, who has four points, followed by Matty Beniers, four. So some rookies getting in the way of that. But, Daniel, as a big hockey guy, so what is the thing that stood out to you the most through basically one and a half weeks so far? So obviously the Flyers. Mm-hmm. Um, Carter Hart looks very improved as opposed to what we were seeing from Carter last year. And just a team that like, obviously – I'm not surprised to see Steven Stamkos, um, like, kind of stay up there as one of the top goal scorers in the league. And Artemi Panarin for the Rangers, obviously, definitely not surprised there. But Alex Stalock, the goalie of your Chicago Blackhawks, is leading the NHL in save percentage at .973 this year. So I saw that, and I was curious. So I watched some highlights. And, Griggs, I think you got a good keeper here. I mean, we've always had interesting keepers, especially since we had Mark Andre Fleury last year. You said what the goalkeeper was? What? Who? Alex Stalock. Yeah, I was, about to, I was about to say. I'm just. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely been improved this year. I mean, he's only played one game so far this year, but 37 saves, only allowing one goal through 59 minutes. So, I mean, yeah, I mean that's great for that one. I mean, it was against his former team, I believe. Yes, it was against the San Jose Sharks. Or no, it was against uh. Vegas, even though we lost that one. But still, I mean, he put up a great performance. Three saves, one allowed. I mean, for a team that's really rebuilding like the Blackhawks, that's really all you can ask for is just players to play well, especially new players that you get coming off of free agency. So I'd like to see him get more reps. He probably will. The Blackhawks have a long history of splitting reps between goalies since uh, uh, Crawford has left. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, anything good news for the Blackhawks, I'll take. Yeah, I'm with you on that. But the Bruins, Daniel, off to an interesting start. They gave up too many goals to your liking, you were saying the other night. Yeah, I've never known the Bruins to not be a strong defensive unit, but giving up seven goals to the Ottawa Senators makes me kind of scared what's going to happen when we play you know, Tampa. But still, I mean, you're off to a 3-1 and one start. I mean, my, subtract those seven goals, that accounts for a little bit under half of your 
goals allowed so far this year. So mm-hmm. you could take away some good in that, but yeah, definitely have to shape up a little bit before the regular season. But you said the Flyers have been the most surprising team to you off the start. Which team has been the most disappointing? Oh, I mean, it's tough to say just a few games in, but mm-hmm. one team is just really like who I thought was going to be pretty good, who so far I'm looking at, and it's just like, whoa, is honestly Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. They're 1-3-0 and on the year so far, only two points to their name, and let's just take a look at some of the competition they've played. It's just not been overly amazing because your one win has come against the Blue Jackets, right? Mm-hmm. And then your losses are to the Flyers, Penguins, and Rangers. So, so far, playing good teams that haven't been very good. So, But to make it deep into the postseason, you have to be able to beat those teams. Right. Like You're not going to be playing the Columbus Blue Jackets and deep in the playoffs. No. It's bad. I forgot to say the team that surprised me so far. I'm going to go with the Jets a little bit. I didn't expect them to win two games already, especially against I didn't expect them to beat the Avalanche, which goes to prove a little bit maybe the Avalanche, well, I was talking to my friend Bo about, it has a little bit of a goalie problem a little mm-hmm. bit. That's like their only struggle really. But the Jets have kind of surprised me a little bit this year. So there's that. It's always good when a good Canadian team's in there, minus the um, – I'd say minus the Oilers and the Blue uh, and the Maple Leafs, right? Yeah. Yeah. So non-Maple Leafs and Oilers. And then the team that's been most disappointing for me so far through this many games, I mean, for me, it's obviously got to be the Wild. Mm-hmm. I thought they would be one of the sleeper teams this year, especially when you have Marc-Andre Fleury in your 0-3-0 with no overtime allowed. You've given up 20 goals. Yeah, I mean, this is supposed to be a team that was improved. I mean, granted, they didn't have too many big, big names out there. But they they were in the playoffs last year. They were projected to be better. They had Marc-Andre Fleury for the whole year. And I thought they were only going to go up. And so far, they've just been – I mean, you're last in a division that includes the Jets, Blackhawks, and Coyotes. Even through three games, that shouldn't be happening if you're a good team like Minnesota. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, let's check in on our friend, the Oilers. How are they doing? Where where are they? Up oh, there they are. Um, yeah, one, two, and oh. Oilers I think it might be the end. I think they gotta trade McDavid to Chicago. Maybe not Chicago, but hopefully somewhere. Hopefully somewhere, yeah. Um just trying to look around. It's interesting. Uh Calgary three oh and oh after really losing a lot of their players last year. They're getting Claude Giroux, though. So yeah. that's a big get, but they lose some of their key pieces from last year's um semifinal run so or quarterfinal run so, uh conference semifinals but yeah i mean Ka- i mean dale Souter is an incredible head coach he still is. on the bench he's very funny i like him a lot in that regard i do too there's a lot about this team that i like but yeah i mean this team's on a team on a roll and maybe they've not granted they might not have played the best competition yet I mean, but they've gotten some good wins. I mean, they did beat the Oilers in the Battle of Alberta um, Saturday night. So there's that. And, and then on they beat Saturday, they played the, Car- the Carolina Hurricanes. And then they beat the Avalanche on Thursday night. So they have played some teams. So it goes to show that Avalanche might have more of a goalie problem than we thought. Yeah, and I'm I'm interested to see how they can do. Because next week is really their put-up or shut-up yeah. week. Since you have Carolina, Pittsburgh, and Edmonton back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. And then you also have – well, tonight they play the Sabres, which – Better than what they started in years past, but got to win that one. And then, yeah, you said Carolina at home, Penguins at home, and Edmonton at home. You got to win these three games. They have, they're have they at home for a while, man. 
Yeah. They they're playing on the um play at home versus the Sabres, uh Hurricanes, Penguins, Oilers and Kraken and Nashville and the New Jersey. I'll keep going down the list and they're at home until November 7th. So that is 18 days from now. They're having home games every day until the 18th or only home games until the 18 for 18 days. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Do you remember how teams having like this long of a home stretch non like when the Islanders and now the Coyotes are can't play in their home arena just yet? No. I'm glad hockey's back though. It's great always being able to turn on ESPN Plus and just have a game on now instead of what it used to be and it was terrible. You'd yeah, agree with me on you that. might have a game. You might. You probably don't, but you might. I mean, granted, for us, we both of our teams are original six franchises. It'd always be like one of the. Every other week, there was a chance we'd have one of the NBC Sports Network games, but now we have a chance to just watch it every day. Mm-hmm. And that TNT pregame, we've talked about this before, TNT does an incredible job with every sport they do. They do. I, I really like watching sports on TNT. And Paul Bissonnette with Wayne Gretzky's a hilarious combo in intermission reports. It's one of the best. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that is going to do it for NHL Talk. When we come back, it's time for everyone's favorite segment. It's Who You Got. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into the Eagles Nest, everybody. It's the final 15 minutes of the show. We've had a great show today. It's been amazing. We've had Nathan King on from 24-7 Sports. That was that was awesome to have our first Auburn beat writer. We've talked all things football, basketball, NHL, even talked some baseball. But now it's time for everyone's favorite weekly segment. It is Who You Got, the only segment we've had every single episode of the show, no matter what it was. And Do we have another summer special? I mean, indirectly. Kind of. But, yeah, let's just get it started right off. We're starting off with college football first. We have Syracuse taking on the Clemson Tigers this weekend. Mr. Locke, who you got? I'm going to have to go Clemson. Syracuse has done a lot, but I don't think they have shown me quite yet that they're capable of beating Clemson in Death Valley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going off the same thing as what you said. I don't. They've not really shown enough to me yet. I mean, granted, they did beat NC State, and they did win some games, but Clemson's a whole different animal, especially in a place where they have not lost in, I believe, now 38 games, and I don't think it's going to be this week. So I'm going to go with the Tigers. Yeah, I don't think so either. Moving on to the Pac-12, we have the undefeated UCLA Bruins taking on the number 10 Oregon Ducks in Eugene this Saturday. Daniel, you got? I'm going to have to go with Oregon. I like them a lot. I really think they're a good team, and I think Bo Nix at the helm, I think they're capable of beating this highly ranked UCLA Bruins squad. I'm going to go with that as well. I mean, UCLA hasn't really played really anyone to prove me wrong yet or to prove me that they're like a really, really top team, unless I'm forgetting if they played Utah. I don't think they did. So, and for that reason, I'm going to go with Oregon in that one. I think Bo Nix has been consistent. He's figured it out since the Georgia game, which yeah, early he's ever played Georgia. So, great, yeah. to get, great to get that out of the way early. True. We move back to the big. Uh, we're moving to the Big Twelve now, where Texas is taking on Oklahoma State. Who is Texas is a favorite in this one versus an Oklahoma State team who is higher ranked, and it's a home game for Oklahoma State. So Daniel, who you got Oklahoma State bounce back game up in Stillwater. Um, Spencer Sanders, Mike Gundy. I've just got to go with the Cowboys. Go Pokes. I'm gonna go with the Longhorns. I think Quinn Ewert has been good in this one. I don't trust that Derek Mason led defense just quite yet it's still the big 12 so there's going to be a lot of points it's just i don't think they're going to do well enough to stop uh, a good quarterback like quinn ewart i would agree 
Moving on now to the world of the National Football League. We had the Falcons at the Bengals. Mr. Locke, who you got? I don't trust Marcus Mariota just yet, so I'm going to go with the Bengals. Uh, I'm going to go with the Bengals as well. I think they've really figured it out since then. I think they've gotten a chance to just figure out the kinks and get moving. And hopefully if that offensive line stays up and keeps working well, then I think they got a real shot at this one. Yeah, I do too. Moving on, our next game is Chiefs at 49ers. This is an interesting one indeed after the 49ers lost this past week. So, Daniel, who you got? I just I can't bring myself to pick the Niners. I'm going to have to go with the Chiefs. I mean, uh, excuse me. Wait, no, I said it right. Okay. I thought I misspoke. But, no, I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs. And what about you? What, about you? what you got? That's the first time you ever told me that one. Um, <laughs> I think Chiefs. However, I do think this could potentially be a letdown spot. But at the same time, I say, I've said that for a lot of games this week. Mm-hmm. So, in that regard, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. But I do expect it to be closer than most people think it will be. Yeah. Because when they see Chiefs, they automatically think win for the Chiefs. But I do think it won't be that easy. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, I think that they're a good team and definitely capable of kind of competing. However, I just don't think they have it in them today. Mm-hmm. And moving on now to the world of the National Basketball Association. First time doing this, I think, for this year. Yes, it is. Uh, we have the Celtics at the Heat. These games will be on Friday night we're talking about for the NBA. Mr. Locke, who you got? I got to go with the C's, man. Recap of the Eastern Conference Finals, which were very, very good. And I just think the Celtics get it done. I'm going to go with the Celtics as well. Even though I do think this is an incredible matchup, I just think right now the Celtics have the momentum with them. Granted, the Heat still have the momentum with them too. I just think the Celtics are going to find a way to do it. Because they won in Houston. They won in Miami last year in Game 7. I think they can continue that. Even though... The Heat want this one probably a little bit more than the other ones. Yeah, I would so expect to be close. Uh, Nuggets at Warriors this Friday as well. The defending champs take on the two back-to-back MVP, Nikolai Jokic. Daniel, who you got? You know, obviously, Nikolai Jokic, very, very, very good. But this Warriors team, just come on. I, I got to go with the Warriors. I'm going with the Warriors team as well. If it was in Denver, I'd maybe switch it up a little bit potentially. But for now, since it's in the Bay Area, I'm going to go with the Warriors. Steph Curry is still legit, so I'm going to go with them. God love the Pepsi Center. I think it's – they changed it. It's, no. I think it's – I was watching the uh, Avalanche and I think it's um, – I think Ball Arena now. That's something like that, like the – I hate it. Company? Yeah. Uh, Sons of Trailblazers. Um, this will be also on Friday night. Interesting game. Uh, to you teams who – these teams really just want to ring at this point. It's getting rough. One team has a lot better chance than the other two this year, but yeah. you know who I'm talking about. Daniel, who you got? I got to go with the Suns. Come on. Devin Booker, Chris Paul, title hunt. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Suns as well. I think they got a good squad this year. I don't know how far they're going to go. I don't know if it's going to be as far as 2021, but they're still a good squad, so I'm going to go with the Suns. Our final ones of this week, it will be the MLB Championship Series. It is the uh, I think these these will both be the Saturday games. I think it'll be Game Three for Astros Yankees and Game Four for Padres Phillies. So these yeah. both won't be clinching games. So these definitely will happen. But let's just go ahead and get into them. Daniel first game Astros at Yankees. Who you got? You know I've got to go with the Astros. Um, very big game. 
uh, up in the Bronx. But I just think the Astros are better than the Yankees. I feel like the Yankees are ice cold, and they have been all year. Or not all year, but since August, the Yankees have just really slowed down. So I would not be surprised if they kind of fell apart. I'm going to go with the Astros as well. We don't really know the pitching matchup for this one yet. We'll probably know after the game tonight. But I'm going to have to go with the Astros. They've just been on fire right now. They've been the best team all year in the American League, and they're still showing it into the playoffs. Yeah. And our final one, we're talking about the NLCS. It is the Padres at the Phillies. This will be game three of that. Oh, this will be game four of that series. Excuse me. Daniel, who you got? I'm going to have to go with the Phillies, man. Or, excuse me, the Padres. I just really feel like this is the Padres' year. I just feel it. Wouldn't it be really funny if they won without Tatis, too? Do you give him a ring or no? I don't think you do. I think they may give him one just because it would turn into something. But Yeah, but I feel like it's kind of a little – it's sort of like Acuna with the Braves, but different. But Acuna actually that, played this season. The season though, That season, though. True. He was never on – I don't think he ever was on the active roster. Okay. Then I don't know. I feel like there's definitely an argument to not give Tatis a ring. Because I feel like if you give him one, I don't feel like he – I don't think he would think that he's earned it. Eric Cosmer would get a ring. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, But then, yeah, I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with the Phillies in this one. I When the Phillies get hot, they're hot, man. And I think this could be a game they're doing at their play, back at Citizens Bank Ballpark. I think this can be a one for them. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's going to do it. I think that's going to do it. We want to thank everyone again for tuning in, especially thank you to Blake Phillips and Nathan King for coming on the show. Two wonderful guests. We both we wish they would be come back on. Hopefully they'll come back on. Hopefully. But it's another great week. Don't go anywhere. We'll see you again next week. If you missed any of today's show, you can check it out on our podcast platform, whatever one you prefer. But until next time, this is Daniel Locke and Griggs Blankenberg signing out. This has been the Eagles Nest. Have a good day, everyone, and War Eagle. Thank you for tuning in to the Eagles Nest. We enjoyed bringing you updates on everything going on in the world of sports. If you missed any of today's show, you can catch the podcast version wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke and at The Griggs B. Until next time, this has been the Eagles Nest. See you next week.